Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. Well, if uh, if you're an architecture fan, which I'm guessing you probably are if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to be a kid in a candy store this weekend. Doors Open Milwaukee returning to the city September 24th and 25th. Bobby, uh, you must be the ultimate kid in the candy store during this Doors oh, Open. Oh, yeah, I love it so much. <laughs> it's yeah. so cool. All these places that are normally closed to the public or a little hard to get in, literally open their doors and welcome you in for these incredible tours. Uh, Radio Milwaukee Studios is always uh, always on that list as well, so you can come down here. And Bobby's got 10 picks for your Doors Open Milwaukee experience. A lot of these are buildings we've talked about on Urban Spelunking over the years, and these really are like your curated top favorite Doors Open picks. Yes, and I try to change it every year, though, so it's not the same list every year, you know. Um, And actually, there is 11 in this list. What? Plus we There's have 11? A, plus we have a bonus 12th, which is uh, last week's Annunciation, right? But that's nice, not actually nice. in the story. That's a different okay. link. So you really got 12 um, picks for your doors open. Yeah. So what I always do is we were discussing this before, and I always do sort of like a sour mash or like a sourdough thing where I take some of the previous recommendations and mix them with some new ones. Yes. So and thankfully you do because it's it's impossible to get to all the locations indoors open. I mean, no matter how well you plan, you can't get to them all. No, right. And one of the ones I like to, like, you know, I try to also keep in ones that I think really deserve um, a little extra push, like Wisconsin Black Historical Society and Museum, which is on like 27th and Fond du Lac and Center where those all come together. And it's in an old firehouse that was then later a library and is connected to the building next door, which was an old movie theater. So, bam. That's got every urban <laughs> spelunking tenant right, in it right there. It's got a great yeah. museum that was, you know, firehouse, movie theater, and library. What more do you want, right? So in our extended conversation at RadioMilwaukee.org, we're, we're going to go through the other 11 or the other 10. But let's uh, zero in on this historical society. This is a building I've been to a few times. I'm sure you've been to it as well for events. Mm-hmm. Um, a really great museum inside, really informative and it's amazing how much programming they do with a small staff. Claiborne Benson um, still in charge there. And mm-hmm. and his daughter, Jamila. In his off hours, he would collect stuff and, and put together this museum and got these buildings, did the exhibits, does the programming, all this stuff as sort of like a, a side gig out of just pure passion for this. So it's. It's definitely amazing. There's great collections of photos. He's got furniture from like barbershops and explanatory panels. And there's like a library upstairs. And I think if you talk to him nicely, maybe he'll actually <laughs> um, There's just, it's really just an, an incredible testament to his passion for the history of African-Americans in the state. That is our first pick for Doors Open Milwaukee, the Wisconsin Black Historical Society. After the break, we've got 10 more for you next on Urban Spelunking. Do you want to know the secret behind the programming you love? It's all funded by the honor system. As a public radio station, we're based on a very simple model. We try to do something meaningful, connecting with you through music and stories. And then we count on those who appreciate what we do to show their support. Are you one of them? Show your support by visiting RadioMilwaukee.org and joining today. All right, Bobby, we're back. Doors open Milwaukee. This is a kid in a candy store time for you, I'm sure, and for me too. Love to get out and see these buildings. And uh, there was actually time, of course, during COVID when Doors Open wasn't able to be to be in person. So Yeah, there was one year they were in 2020 they were virtual and they came back in person in 2021, but they had a really scaled back list of buildings just because there were so you know, so many buildings were just leery of opening up. 
to people. So this year is really the first year that it's kind of back in full force. I mean, it, they had they did an amazing job in 2021, but it, now it's getting back to where it had been before in yeah. terms of numbers of buildings and that sort of thing. And again, it's coming up on the 24th and 25th, and we've got 10 picks for you that we're going to run through. You might recognize some of these buildings from past Urban Speed Lunkings, and if you want to find out more about any of these, go back in the archives and, yep. and check them out because we have uh, deep dives on a lot of these. But I feel like I feel like wait a second, we we can't get through this podcast of Outdoors Open without saying the words "historic Milwaukee." Oh yes, shame right? on me. Yes, I mean, shame on us for like. I mean, that's who has always organized this. Um, with thanks to their own fundraising and their, you know, their hardworking staff, but also to tons of volunteers who who man the buildings and and help show people around and keep everything and everybody safe. I'm so glad you mentioned that because you think about an organization like Historic Milwaukee, they could just not. I'm sure this is like a huge lift and a big thing to program. Absolutely a big lift. They yeah. could just like say, you know, maybe that's not coming back after COVID, but they are. They're coming back in a big way. Of course, the pandemic is still going on, but right. Um, you but know. hey, most of us are pretending like it's done. So. <laughs> and, and it sounds like if uh, you know you want to take those precautions, you can take them. Absolutely. But let's start at the top of the list here with the uh, David Barnett Gallery and the Henry H. Button House. Yes. Yeah, so this is a beautiful Italianate mansion that was designed by Edward Townsend Mix, who was one of Milwaukee's pioneer architects. Mm-hmm. Name um, we've mentioned many times. Many, in Urban many Spielunking. times. Beautiful cream city brick building from the 1870s. It is now home to the David Barnett Gallery. So it's got kind of a, again, like when we talked about with the museum, it's got sort of dual thing going on. There's beautiful history and the beautiful 1870s architecture. But every available inch of space inside is covered in amazing artwork too. So it makes it a really nice place to visit. Yeah, I remember when we first talked about this, you were like like overwhelmed almost with how like every surface is every just. Surface. Yeah. And this is all inside of what looks like a home. Yeah, it was built for um, for Henry H. Button, who was a um, he was an early pharmaceuticals magnate in Milwaukee. So that's on uh, Prospect Avenue on the Lower East Side, right? Yep, on State Street. All right, pick number one, the David Barnett Gallery. Let's move on to the best place. This is a this is definitely um, an iconic Milwaukee building. A lot of folks visit this place for special events and mm-hmm. weddings, but the public is is welcomed anytime. There is kind of a, a behind the scenes though that sounds like it's going to be open for yes, the best place. Yes, which, which is what I sort of focused on in here because best place itself is cool. I mean, it's the old Pabst offices and you can go into Captain Pabst's actual office and look out his windows and, and that's cool. And there was a Pabst tasting room there. That's cool. The old gift shop, Pabst gift shop is there. Also cool. There's a statue of King Gambrinus in the courtyard. Just beautiful sort of Germanic looking, really evocative place. But the big building just to the south of it, to which it is connected, um, was bought by Pabst in the late 1800s. But it was bought from Milwaukee Public Schools because it was the original Second Ward schoolhouse. Mm. And that was built in the 1850s. And as such, it is the oldest public school building standing in Milwaukee. Oh, that's fascinating. And uh, even though it was converted to offices, if you go in there, you can still clear – the layout really hasn't changed. You can still see the classrooms, the stairwells, the the um, the windows between the classrooms and the hallway to make sure that the, that the light would penetrate all the way into the hallway because this is the 1850s. There was no electricity. Um, so it's really cool because Jim Hartle, the owner of Best Place, really wants to kind of bring this back someday, but it's just – the cost would be gargantuan. So in the meantime, he's doing his best to preserve it, but he's also very proud of it. So he will be thrilled to show you that. You know, there was there was one time back in 2015, I was working with my colleague, uh, Laura Diane Kesman, 
and we were interviewing John Gerda at the yeah. best place in the Captain Pabst office. Yeah, yeah. And we were having the most trouble with the mic, like the wireless <gasps> mic. And they were like, well, you know, the building's pretty old, a lot of history in this building. And so there was like, wow. that was our closest contact with. Uh, Did you say like Blatz or something? <laughs> yeah. Or Schlitz or something? And the ghosts the were just angry. like, yeah, right, just <laughs> cut that mic. But yeah, that's that's such a cool spot and uh, cool that that other portion will be open. Yeah, super cool. Okay, so the next pick here is this goes right back to my childhood. This was one of our most viewed urban spelunkings. Really? Uh, in a long time. Yeah, yeah, the Survive Alive House. So this is one where, with with no disrespect to the Kubala Washako architects, you're not really going there for the architecture. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's not a super cool old building in the you know in in that sense. But but the um, building inside the building. But the building inside the building is cool, and like thousands and thousands. Of Milwaukee school children, including Nate. Yep, I went there. Went here and learned how to stop, drop, and roll and, and crawl to the door. Yep, how to how to feel for warmth with the back of your hand to make right? sure that it's not hot. I remember that. So it's it's such a it's just such a visceral thing that so many people carry with them this, this memory of having been there as kids that how can you not go back and check it out? And this is located where again? Uh twenty fifty nine South Twentieth Street on the oh. south side. Okay, survive a live house. Something really interesting about that, if you don't know, they've got this like mock-up of a of a residence inside, so mm-hmm. students can actually practice escaping from. Yeah, their there's bedrooms. like a bedroom, and you pretend to be asleep, and right. And they they got like fog machines and and light to kind of recreate what a fire atmosphere would be like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little scary, but it's also like you're learning a life saving skill. So I do remember like going there and taking it very seriously. Like we're yeah. gonna we're gonna survive. Good, good, yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's the survive. Because you want to survive alive. You do want to survive alive. surviving dead is not a thing. <laughs> it's got to rhyme for the kids, <laughs> it does, right? It yeah. does, it does. So we, last week we talked about Frank Lloyd Wright and the um, Annunciation Greek Orthodox Church. Of course, that's one of many Frank Lloyd Wright buildings in Wisconsin. Um, so our next stop is for the Frank Lloyd Wright system-built houses. Where are these? These are on Burnham, just off Leighton Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are six homes that were built using um, a sort of design scheme that Wright had called the American system um, that would be like a set of sort of um, pre-drawn plans for a bunch of different house designs that then he was hoping to work with contractors and um, companies that could supply the parts so that they would be sort of prefab houses. So you'd be able to create tons of affordable homes for people to buy. in this sort of quick and easy way, and it didn't exactly work out that way. <laughs> but um, but these were built, um, and they survive miraculously. Some of them are duplexes, some of them are single-family houses, um, and they're all right there in a row. Yeah. And there is one other system-built house in Milwaukee. It's actually in Shorewood, which is the Elizabeth Murphy house to which we went. We went personally. Um, and I didn't recommend that because I don't know that it's on the list. But if it is on the list, I recommend it. That's another one of those that had that compression and release you know, that we talked right. about in the church. On a church. much smaller scale, but yeah. But same same thing where you come into a really sort of tight area and then take a few steps forward and it all opens up for you. Ah, we're home. Yeah. 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 So if you've never been to those Frank Lloyd Wright houses, which I have not, so really? I'm, that's going to be on my I personal would, list. I would put this high on your list. Because so what's amazing to me is that the one that's open is sort of like a museum kind of slash show home because some people live in some of them. Um is how small it is, but how livable it is. Hmm. You know, like the living room feels big for a small, for a basically, and not a tiny house, but a pretty small house. Yeah, I mean, the Elizabeth Murphy house that we visited was 
There was not a lot of extra there, you know. It was, no, but it, but it it didn't. You didn't feel like cramped and no, and yeah, stuff yeah. Of course, you couldn't own a ton of stuff. Yeah, because there'd be no place to put it. But yeah, the owner actually talked about that yeah. about having to downsize. Yeah, I think there's something kind of freeing about that, though, right? Right, compression and release. That's <laughs> right, releasing <laughs> releasing the compression. So let's talk about this 20 ton studios. Um, I don't think I'm familiar with this building, although... I think we did this one. Yeah. Um, Was it when we were talking about it as an electrical substation? Probably, I yes. see. Okay. So these, there's, there's a bunch of buildings around the city, these red brick buildings, um, that all sort of look the same, although sometimes they're bigger or smaller than, than the others. Um, and they bear the um, abbreviation on the front, usually cut in stone, T-M-E-R-N-L, which was the Milwaukee Electric and... Uh, Milwaukee Electric Rail and Light. I was just company. thinking Teenage Mutant. In, uh, oh, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so these were substations to power the streetcars, basically. Wow. Okay. So they generated electricity, so that, and you had to have them all over town to keep enough energy, uh, enough electricity going through the wires overhead to keep the, the uh, streetcars running. Um, some of them have been turned to other uses. There's one on the west side on Lisbon Avenue that somebody bought and turned into his house. Oh, yeah, yeah. We um, talked about that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and actually, since I wrote this story, I actually got in to see that. I saw him outside one day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> said, the old Bobby Tanzel, <laughs> hey, can I come in? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and it worked. He showed me all around. It was great. Um, but so this one is on um, 20th and North. Okay. And um, it has been bought by a group of artists and they have opened the 20 ton studios, which is basically an art studio in there. And they're doing all kinds of artwork, uh, in that building and they've maintained what they can of the interior, but most, I mean, all of like turbines and all that stuff were removed, but there are still features in it that, you know, um, go back to the old days. So it's definitely cool to check it out. And if you're like me and loads of people I know, You've always wanted to get inside one of these, and this is the perfect way to do it. My guess is if you're into the podcast this far, you are one of those people just like us. So welcome. Go to the substation. And um, I embrace you, geeks. <laughs> You're one of us. What's cool is this this link too to Wisconsin's or to Milwaukee's streetcar past. I didn't know that. that that's why yeah. this existed was to yeah. create this network of power for the streetcar. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. And, and I don't know if you noticed that recently when they were doing all that work on Humboldt, actually they're still doing the work on Humboldt. They pulled up like tons oh, of yeah. rails from yeah. the streetcars ran up and down Humboldt. Where do those go? Do they hang on to them, or do they? I assume they send them to recycling. Oh, they should sell them. I'd make they little keychains. Chop or them something. up and yeah. right, chop them up into little sections, just like they did with the Bucks floor, the championship floor. Exactly. Right? <laughs> They're not thinking outside of the box when it comes to fundraising. They're just two on the rail. <laughs> eh, okay. All right. <laughs> well, let's talk about the Arts at Large building. This is um this is in Walker's Point on Fifth Street. And Washington. Fifth and Washington. Okay. So pretty close to National. Yep. A few blocks south. So this building is interesting because uh, it's really vibrant now. I mean, it's a really active art space for youth. And they actually have a little cafe in there too as well that the students operate. Yeah. The transformation was incredible. I mean, because, you know, I went there before they started any of the work when it had most recently been, um, I think there was a neon sign company in there. I mean, it had sort of industrial kind of uses for a long time. Um, and then I went back and did another story when it was done and it's all these just beautiful offices for nonprofits upstairs and there's the cafe, as you said, and there's these spaces where they can, you know, artist studios, gallery space, gallery space. Um, they hold art classes for kids and all that sort of thing. 
Fabulous. Fabulous. Looks incredible. Building was built by Patrick Cudahy oh, okay. um, as an investment property, but um, also for a butcher shop. Oh, yeah. We talked about that. I remember them, that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it was apartments upstairs and um, retail on the first floor originally. But super cool to see the transformation. It's a gorgeous building. Um, and for me, I like to go there and just gaze at the building. You can see in the picture next to it, that gray one, which is a 1892 schoolhouse that is probably at the top of my um, wish list, my bucket list. You just got to hang out outside again and wait for a door to open. I've and- tried so <laughs> many times and it just has not happened. Someday. And what I love about Arts at Large, too, is, you know, if I don't know if you if you maybe don't have a lot of contact with uh, like young high school students or people in that age range, it really shows you like first person their artwork and you oh, can like yeah, really yeah. peer into their creative minds. And I don't know if you, I guess like for me, maybe you have an idea of what, you know, like what art is for students or, you know, the, the capability of students when mm-hmm. they're in high school and. You go to there and it's like you're the artwork is incredible. It's eye opening, yeah. And yeah. the talent that these students have, it really is like it, it, it's impressive. And Arts at Large also does a great job. They do a lot of um, classes and trainings for teachers and things too. So they they're able to kind of fan their knowledge out, you know, through MPS. Yeah. By this kind of this work that helps kind of spread it. And it really does feel like a fine art gallery too. So to you know have that platform for students to show their work there. Oh yeah, is really really neat. Yeah. All right. So that is and that buy it, a coffee while you're there. And you can get a coffee there too. That's right. The the cafe is cafe at large, and it's mm-hmm. all run by the students. I assume that'll be open during doors open. I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> they probably sell a lot of coffee that day. They should all double right. the price of everything that day. <laughs> Let's talk about the National Block Building and slash the George. This is just up the street. Yeah. This is on 5th and National. This is 5th and National. So the National Block was built in the 1880s as um, storefronts and apartments above. And actually there were offices above too. There were like doctors and dentists offices and that kind of thing. Um, and now it had almost, com- I mean, it had served as loads of things over the years. There was It was apartments, it was offices, it was stores, it was a community center, um, it was a sort of a flop house for a while. I mean, it was loads of different things. Taverns were in there. Um, but in the past couple of decades, it had really kind of um, fallen on hard times. They mm-hmm. were like, there's all kinds of flora and fauna growing in the, and living in the building, which was very problematic. And there was question of whether or not this building would make it, right? Yeah, right. It was, it was darn near close to coming down. And then three folks bought it. Um, they turned the upper floors into apartments. Um, and then they opened the George, which is an event, event space on the first floor, fills up that whole first floor, beautiful space. And then the whole basement level was turned into the Madcap Lounge, which is also available for events and that sort of thing, but a much different vibe, like a more intimate vibe. There's like a nook with a piano in it for a piano player and bars and lots of seating and stuff down there. So cool because it's just a great, beautiful building. But just exciting to see a building, especially if you're familiar with Walker's Point, to be able to go inside a building that looked like it was not long for this world and see yeah. and see yeah. how, like when, when people tell you, oh, the building's beyond repair, this is an argument against that. And that, I mean, if you're- this build, if any building was seemingly beyond repair, it was this one. Right? I bet. And if you're into architecture and history, I mean, going into a space that, that if different circumstances would have happened, I mean, would probably not be here. And to yeah. see it restored to this magnitude where it looks so stunning, you know, it's like unrecognizable. And frankly, it's a little depressing in the sense that you think of all the buildings that 
got to that point yeah, and then nobody had the money or the energy or the passion or the idea to fix it. And, and you see now what could have been at all of these places and it's, they're just gone. Well, our next pick goes to the, uh, the old North Milwaukee village hall and firehouse. This has got a lot of history wrapped up in it just in itself being that North Milwaukee used to be this whole separate uh, city from, from the city of Milwaukee that was eventually annexed. Right. And this was their, Central Hall and Firehouse. Yeah, there was a courthouse. Uh, there was a courtroom in the back. Um, there, and then you can see the bays where the, the fire trucks would go in and out. The town hall offices were upstairs. It's got a bell tower. Um, another one that was in pretty bad shape, and it had been um, it had fallen into the hands of the city of Milwaukee because it was unloved and uncared for. Um, and they ended up finding a buyer for it, and now it's home to a place called Art House that uh, uses it as an art space. Um and again, beautiful building. You get to go in and see all these spaces that had all these kind of cool uses and to see what they're doing with it now. And where is this? This is on 35th Street, just south of Villard. So, of course, the architectural history, but also the Milwaukee history there, too, yeah, with right. that, that uh, annexation. All right. Well, the next stop takes us closer to Walker's Point. We're back the, in Walker's Point again. Sorry. This is uh, a place that I had no idea existed. I've been past it a bunch of times. I... It doesn't really scream out as anything super noticeable from the outside, but it's got this uh, really focused history. Yeah, if you passed it, if you pass it a lot, you'll wonder why there's this railroad bridge with a door and some windows. Yes. <laughs> in it, and I wondered for years, and always wanted to get inside. Um, and it turns out it was it's called the Alice Station, as in West Alice. Um, because there used to be an Alice plant right near there, and this was a station that folks would take the train to and from work. And, and this is like built into like the, it's like built into a bridge. Yeah. It's like underneath the, it's like part of the, there's like the street goes through and then just to the South of that is this space, which if you go in there, you can see like the old tile from the waiting room. You can see the ticket window. It's now been a model railroad club, club for decades. So there's this huge model railroad setup that sort of snakes through all the different rooms in there, um, which is, which is, Fun enough to see. Right, yeah. um, Has it been a model railroad club longer than it was a functioning much longer, station? Yeah. I think it's been a model railroad club since the 40s. Wow. If I remember that off the top of my head. That's um, that's incredible. So, yeah. And what's amazing to me, though, really is uh, as cool as the layout is, the train layout and all that, is to just see that old ticket window and the waiting room and the tile. And you can peek through a sort of opening in the boards and see the staircase that went up to the track level, which is all closed off now. Perfect spot for a Definitely. model railroad club is to be underneath a in a former rail station. Could there be a better place? And I know I, I remember when you were talking about getting into this building. It took you a while too. It's kind of a close knit club. Yeah, and I mean they they would open to the public on certain nights each month for on a, this one specific night each month to let people come check it out. But it just it never I never seemed to be able to make it work out. The the month I would decide to go would be like the the exception month when they were closed or something. Like, I just could never make it work. Uh, that is on East National Avenue, like on National Avenue East of First Street. Yes, yes. Yep. All right, Bobby, we're at the last pick here. We, we talked about your number one pick, uh, the Black Historical Society in the first half. So that takes us to the end of the list here to the Story Hill Firehouse. Yes, and I would sort of say either see the Story Hill Firehouse or the uh, Fire Education Center and Museum which is also in a bungalow firehouse, or go to them both if you can. 
Um, and bungalow, but, bungalow firehouses, uh, we should just mention, too, are different than a regular firehouse. Yes. So bungalow firehouses were built um, in the 20s, designed by Charles Malig, who was an architect for the city. Um, and so he designed lots of fire. Like once Sebastian Brand stopped designing firehouses, Charles Malig started doing that. And he also did police stations, like that beautiful police station uh, next to Hart, uh, next to um, Wickfield. Oh, yeah, yeah. On mm-hmm. Fleet Street. He did that. He also did like cer- like these sort of weird service buildings and things around the city. And so, you know, if you go to um, Bel Air Cantina on Humboldt, you know, there's that little brick building. Oh, yeah. Sort of mm-hmm. built around. He yeah. designed that. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. So he did these brick. Th- and this was sort of part of a national movement. They, these exist similar but not exact same design in other cities around the country there was a sort of a move to create firehouses that fit better into their residential neighborhoods so instead of being sort of these towering buildings you know sort of outscale of the rest of the neighborhood these were supposed to look like houses in the neighborhood so they are bungalow style they're low they have gabled roofs they have little porches um and they're cool because they look like houses but they're firehouses um, but part of the problem with them was in order, you know, back then that they were already, uh, motorized vehicles by then, but they were much smaller than they are now. So you could actually fit them in these firehouses, kind of smaller more lots, like houses, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once fire trucks started to get too big, they, they just couldn't fit anymore. The, the, the floors couldn't take the weight. The door openings weren't big enough as such. They were five of them built, but only one of them is still used as a firehouse. Um, one of them is a residence. One of them is vacant and for sale on Capitol Drive. Then one of them is this Story Hill Firehouse, which has been converted into an events venue. They do weddings, parties. Um, they have like music nights, all sorts of fun things. Um, and then the other one is the Fire Education Center and Museum, which is run by retired firefighters, and that is on 16th and Oklahoma. Well, there you go. 11 picks for your Doors Open Milwaukee experience. Again, this is coming up September 24th and 5th. It's all organized by Historic Milwaukee. We said it again. Yep. Radio Milwaukee is going to be on the list, too. So there's a 12th pick for you as That's well. That's right. An annunciation. An annunciation. Baker's so, Dozen. So you got you got a packed schedule if you follow our recommendations <laughs> here for Doors Open Milwaukee. Just go to the mall. There's only like 100. <laughs> That's right. Well, Bobby, I, I'll see you out there. And thank you so much for this list. I will see you out there podcast on 88.9 produced by Kenny Perez and take a minute to rate and review the podcast we'd love to hear your feedback type a few words if you can but we'll take just a a five star rating too we'd love that and make sure you go to On Milwaukee and check out the full list there's photos and much more details about this incredible curated list from Bobby Tanzillo you can find the link right in the description box of whatever podcast platform you're using right now All right, Bobby happy doors open we'll see you next week happy doors open